Mark chapter 1, if you have your Bibles. Mark chapter 1. Hallelujah. I pastored the church in Chicopee, and before we moved it to the city of Chicopee, it was in the town of East Hampton, Massachusetts, which is a little town, just uh, 15,000 people. We actually had an old church building that was right down in the center of the city. It was actually uh, right next to the town hall, which was also the police station, which could be interesting when we uh, started using a lapel mic like I'm wearing now. Uh, And uh, there were times where if the police would cue their microphones, we would hear them. (laughs) Roger that, got him on my way to the... It's like... Okay, that's weird. It would be right in the middle of the service. But I walked out of prayer one day. I was just there just a couple of weeks. And I was looking at the city hall there at the town hall. And I noticed on there, there were a number of plaques, memorial plaques to such. And there was a, one that had a great list of names. And it, uh, above there, it said, The War of the Great Rebellion. 1861 to 1865. We know it today and we commonly call it the American Civil War, which is a oxymoron. There's nothing civil about war. But the very interesting thing is in the day it was called the Great Rebellion. The 11 Confederate States rose up in rebellion to the United States federal government, seceded from the Union, starting with South Carolina, and on it went, causing a great war. More American lives were lost in that war than all the other wars America has fought combined. Absolute disaster. The great rebellion. That is a term, and one of the reasons it lost its luster in, in, in folklore and in history is that there have been other great rebellions that have been used. The uh, English had one they called the Parliamentary Great Rebellion and such, and so there was the, uh, this was kind of around 1045 or so. It is when, uh, at the end of that, a very famous document called the Magna Carta was written and brought in and ushered in parliamentary, and much of what was in the United States Constitution comes from the Magna Carta. But I want to look with you at the real great rebellion and the clash of kingdoms. This is out of uh, the fact that we are in a warfare right now. You can look at Ukraine and go, that's war. Well, yes, but spiritually speaking, there's a warfare going on. We're dealing with a clash of kingdoms. I want to talk to you about that this evening. Mark chapter 1. Consider this. Jesus is coming on the scene. It says now in verse 14, Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he, began to, uh, where he preached God's good news. 
The time promised by God has come at last, he said, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent from your sins and believe the good news. You will not understand the Bible if you do not understand covenant or kingdom. You will not understand the Bible and what God's purpose is if you do not understand these two major influences in the Bible. We did a Sunday school on covenant, the five great covenants of the Bible, and that there are others, of course, minor ones, but uh, the fact that covenant is uh, brought all through the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the understanding of kingdom. In fact, the word kingdom, now, if you think of, if you read the Old Testament, we know that that was about Israel and the establishment of the kingdom, and then the divided kingdom to the south and kingdom to the north, the ten tribes to the north, such. But the term kingdom is used 117 times in the New Testament. Jesus spoke primarily about the kingdom of God. Mark chapter uh, 13, or uh, you will read, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 13, you will read the eight parables where he says the kingdom of God is like, brings that out. So let's talk firstly about the, the great rebellion. We have to go back in time, we have to go way back in history to understand uh, that there was a great rebellion. That Lucifer was an angel that was promoted. In fact, many believe, and I'm going to stretch a little bit of theology. This is not way off base. I can't prove every scripture of what I'm going to say, but it is commonly believed that Lucifer was going to be the, that earth was created for him to have a dominion. He was the highest angel. He was a angel that was beautiful, had all sorts of talent, was before the Lord. But yet in him he rebelled. There's a couple of scriptures that kind of give us the pre-Adamic. This is before Adam and Eve, history of the world. Isaiah 14 is one of them. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven. I will set my throne above God's stars. I will preside in the mountain of God far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you are brought down to the place of the dead, down to the lowest depths. Everyone there will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made kingdoms of the world to tremble? Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on the prisoners? Now, this is the picture of Satan uh, there. It is absolutely brought out forth uh, that he had a, a time where he rose up in his own pride and arrogance and said, I, 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 I. Let me tell you, there's a lot of eyes in iniquity. I will. 
I will. I will. Get nervous when people say I will all the time. I know it's an election season. That's all you hear sometimes. I'll cut your tag. I'll do that. I'll do it. I will. Self-will. He rebels against God. Revelation gives us a picture into this. Revelation 12, 7 through 11. And there was war in the heavens. And Michael fought against the dragon and his angels. And the angels uh, and the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. The great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, At last salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren... The brothers and the sisters has been thrown down. The one who mocks them before God day and night, they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb, by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were not afraid to die. This gives us a very interesting picture. It calls him the dragon. This term of Satan is used 13 times all in the book of Revelation. It is taken, of course, uh, and there's been a resurgence of this kind of thing. Uh, uh, you know, I guess uh, uh, there was a big popular show, uh, Game of Thrones or some nonsense like that. And uh, now dragons are everywhere and everybody's into dragons and movies and this and that and that and this and that. We know mythologically what they are. They're a big serpent uh, with wings. They breathe fire. They have keen eyesight. That is the mythological understanding. It has been around for a long time. You can go back in ancient cultures. China still today will have in their calendar the year of the rabbit, the year of the pig, the year of the dog, and the year of the dragon. They still have it. We understand that it's not a tame. It would be a weapon of war. But then it gives us some references. It refers to the serpent in the garden, the old serpent, the serpent of old. It puts on the understanding of him being the devil. The devil simply means the accuser, the slanderer, the false accuser of the brethren. Or Satan which that word simply means adversary. It's a title. I was very fascinated to find out that recently that, uh, you know, if you know the term Caesar, it's kind of become synonymous with someone with a kind of a complex of being, wanting to be a dictator, which was actually a family name. But that was very interesting for me to find out recently that Kaiser, which used to be the head of Germany, And czar are forms of the word Caesar. That this terminology became part and engraven into the psyche of the world. The thought Satan, it's a title. Just like Kaiser, just like a Caesar. It's a terminology. He's He's the adversary. It's a clash of the kingdoms. We know that he was in the garden. Ezekiel 28 tells us these words. When you were in the garden, when you were in Eden, the garden of God, you were clothed and adorned with every precious stone. 
And he names them all. I'm not going to name them for the sake of time. And it says, all beauty crafted for you and set in the finest gold. And they were given to you from the day you were created. I ordained you and anointed you, the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain. You walked, uh, holy mountain of God. You walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all that you did from the day you were created until evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence. You sinned, so you were banished and disgraced from the mount of God. I expelled you, almighty guardian, for your place among the fire stones. Your heart was filled with pride because of your beauty, and your wisdom corrupted you by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you the curious gaze of king. This is talking about his fall. Isaiah brings it out, Ezekiel brings it out, lifted up in pride. But this tells us he was in the Garden of Eden. Now there's a gap theory, and again, I don't want to get too theological here and bog you down. But the gap theory is between Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 2. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then the language shifts, and and I don't want to get into it all, but it shifts into kind of a judgment. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. There's almost the thought of God creates, and then there's this rebellion. There's something that happened that Lucifer rose up in pride. Many believe uh, just from the scriptures in the third of the stars it talks about in Revelation that he was able to take a third of the angels with him. That he had access to the highest places. He was one of the primary angels. Many believe he was probably the greatest single creation of God in beauty and wisdom. And it all went to his head, and in pride, God gave him earth, and he rebelled. And so then God made man. He made mankind to take over the earth, to bring back the dominion that had been lost. Genesis 3, 1, we know this tragic story. The serpent was shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat of any of the trees of the garden? This is referring to the old serpent. That now he's come on the scene and he's trying to get man to engage in his rebellion against God. He's now trying to get them to doubt, and of course we know that Eve does, and overstates, and Adam fails, and they eat of the fruit that they shouldn't eat. When God comes on the scene, verse 13, the Lord God asked the woman, why have you done this? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate. He is working against God. In that, you can see there's numbers of things that he does. He tries to get you to doubt God's character. 
He tries to get you to doubt God's word. He tries to get you to doubt God's future. And he tries to get you to doubt that God has the best interest from you, for you. And out of that, man entered into the, to the rebellion of, of Lucifer. The curses, the serpent will eat dust, crawl on its belly. We don't know all that's involved there. It is weird that they move without legs. That's all I can say. The woman, curses come upon her birth and pregnancy and the whole reproductive thing. The curse on man, the sweat of his brow, he's going to process money and this. And there's a curse on creation. Thorns and thistles. Weeds and obnoxious plants grow. This is because man chose to be in allegiance with Satan and not with God. Then comes Jesus in our text. This is his very first sermon. The very first recorded sermon, and it's actually, you can find this again in Matthew uh, chapter 4. You can find this again in Luke chapter 4. Jesus comes and he preaches the kingdom of God is near. This is a radical understanding, but a focus of his ministry. Mark mentions this where the other two Gospels don't, where Jesus says the promised, the time promised by God has come at last. Jesus was coming to reestablish the kingdom. God had used some very veiled words, and again, there's pictures in the Old Testament that were spiritual understandings of the New Testament, uh, and God was using that. And in Daniel chapter 9, in verses 24 and 25, it speaks of the 70 years of Daniel. And again, I know this is a bit theological in this sermon, but... Why don't you just bear with me for a second? Because it talks about the timing of this. And it says, A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and for your holy city to finish their rebellion and to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt and to bring an everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision and to anoint the most holy place. Now, this is specifically about Jerusalem, but in generally it's about everyone. That he's going to end the rebellion. He's going to uh, uh, put an end to sin. He's going to atone. Who is this? And he says, now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will come to pass Uh, From the time of the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until the ruler, the anointed one, comes. Uh, Jerusalem will be rebuilt uh, on the streets, uh, defenses despite uh, the perilous times. Now, very clearly it brings out in these weeks or six sets of seven, uh, this is talking about years. 
And so this is uh, just as uh, it goes through, and again, I'm not going to bore you. There's one week left. This is the tribulation, the seven years of the tribulation that is going to come, that God's going to turn his attention back to Israel. But these set times, these first 49 years, and then the, uh, uh, then the uh, 442 years or whatever it is uh, that God has put out there, that works out that it started in 534 B.C., which puts the time that Jesus would be announced to 27 A.D. The time. God had purposed this time from the beginning. He's a master at bringing this. What is he bringing this time for? To reestablish his kingdom. What he wants to do on the earth. Jesus comes and preaches. He says, that time is now. And you can do the math, and I've preached it, and I watched a lot of your eyes glaze over as you get, you know, whatever. I love this stuff. Some people do, some people don't, whatever. Does it change our salvation? Probably not, but I just am fascinated by it. Jesus says the time is near. And then he says the kingdom of God, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. This would be like, if you want to bring it to American history, Tom Paine printing his pamphlets beginning to seed the American colonies that we could break off of Britain that we don't have to be part of the United Kingdom taxation without representation all that kind of stuff that he would put out there and he printed those pamphlets and they began to circulate through and they began to seed people that America could break away from Britain. We didn't have to be under the king anymore. As he's preaching the kingdom, he's telling us things can be different. He's rebelling against the rebellion. That now the rebellion has so set in people's minds, they live. Not even knowing the conflict that goes on. Not even understanding that we are totally far away from what God had ever intended. People blame God. Why is there death? Why is there war? Why is there that? Because you're in rebellion. It's that simple. You chose self-will. I will, I, 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 just like Lucifer did so many years ago. No one's going to tell me what to do. Well, that's fine. But there is something called the law of unintended consequences. The wages of sin is death. Jesus says, I've come to bring the kingdom to take back that which the devil has stolen. John, 1 John 3, 8 says, when people, But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to establish his kingdom 
to take back that which sin and the rebellion has stolen. This is the simple gospel. This is the understanding. This is why Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come soon. The picture and understanding there is that God wants to bring his kingdom. Many don't even realize that they're not, they're, they're prisoners. British Airways Flight 149 flew on January 14th. It took off from London Heathrow Airport. It was delayed for a little while. There's speculation on why. You can do your own research on that. It was flying to Jakarta, Indonesia, where it had to make a refueling stop in Kuwait. That happened to be the day that Saddam Hussein invaded the country of Kuwait. Because they were on the runway and not able to get off the runway, they eventually the plane was taken and the plane, the crew, and the passengers were taken hostage by the, Irani, by the Iraqi government. They were actually moved around. If you remember hearing about human shields, if you're old enough to remember that war, some of you were born after that. I know that. But Saddam had taken and set up these human shields. Basically what he did was he took these passengers and a few other foreigners he would gotten, but mostly these hundred and something passengers from Flight 149 and put them at key installations where he didn't want the U.S. or the U.K. to bomb these facilities, telling them that their citizens were there. And they were taken hostage. Some of them were tortured. Many of them were starved. Very, very bitter rations. And many of them were kept until the end of the first Gulf War in 1991 when it finally came to an end and they were freed. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says, For he has rescued you, rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. We were in the kingdom of darkness. We were headed for hell, destruction, and fully worthy of that because we were in collusion with the enemy. Fully in collusion. And he transferred us. The word in the King James or the New King James is conveyed. It has the thought of literally lifting up and placing in a different place. To put it in a modern context, it would be like a Star Trek transporter that you were in one place and then you were moved to another. This is why we have to stay focused on the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Or as the New Living Translation, seek the kingdom of God above 
all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. God came to reestablish. Jesus came for the kingdom. In our text, it tells us what our responsibility is. Begins with repenting. Turning from your sins, your rebellion. Turning away from that which it... You know, your sins could vary. They don't have to always be the same as other people. But it's still, I will, I will, I will. First Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Do you not realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sins or worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheaters, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. God gives us the power to stop sinning, but we also make choices. You made a choice to come to church tonight. We make choices. There are people who chose to go to the bar. There's people who go, chose to hook up. There's people who chose to do other things. They made a choice. Eventually, the reality of sin is that you can choose your sin, but eventually your sin begins to choose where you go and what you do. Choose your habit, but then it takes you in places you don't want to go with, people you don't want to be with, to do things you don't want to do. The times you don't want to be there. It controls your life. But you made a choice. Repenting literally means to change your mind. That that was wrong. It was very interesting. I, one, of, one of my... Things I, one of the things I like to read, books I like to read, is on spies. I'm fascinated by the underworld, the spies. I, I've known of, I've personally got to know a couple, which they're not as exciting as like the James Bond-ish kind of movie wants to make it out. Definitely met and knew some CIA people. Probably ran into a few others uh, on other sides as well when we were overseas. But it was very interesting that in, in that and in, in, in how they have to switch sides. In, in, there's a podcast called The Agent where Jack Barsky talks to a Soviet KGB era spy, a Soviet era KGB spy. He was embedded in the United States in the 1970s. Gradually, his loyal shifted as he began to realize the tyranny of the communist system. You know, it's funny, it promises equality. That's what communism promises on paper, and yet it brings tyranny and fear. It's amazing to, as you go, and he began to realize this. And eventually, through the help of FBI agents, they helped him. He turned, he came on, and eventually became a U.S. citizen. He said in the podcast, he said, I had a home again, an official home. 
I put East Germany out of my mind and stopped thinking about the folks back there. I put it away in the part of my brain that I don't want to access anymore. You always don't belong to something. The one basic thing that makes you human. Now I had a country again. That I feel really good. He said, I had to change. I had to put it away. This is what we have to do with sin. That old lifestyle. We have to put it away. We have to realize the tyranny of it. The rebellion of it. The destruction of it. And put it away. When Jesus makes this statement, it's radical. It's absolutely radical. We read it 2,000 years later. There's churches on, you know, I don't know, if you drive down here on Clover here, you'll probably pass about 17 churches before you get to the end, right? We churches everywhere. And we don't grasp the radicalness of what he was saying. We read it and we realize, oh yeah, he's confronting the religious people of his day. Yes, he was. But he was really confronting Satan. There are two times in the Bible that I really believe that God solely speaks to Lucifer himself. Now this is again my speculation. You can believe what you want. But when Jesus is baptized and he comes out of the water... The Bible says a spirit descended upon him like a dove, and they heard a voice, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, the question is, who was that being said to? I believe that was the father telling Lucifer, we're on. We're on, buddy. The other time is, and we, I did a series on this, the seven times Jesus speaks on the cross, which are fascinating. He speaks to his father in a prayer, Father, forgive them. He speaks to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. He speaks to his mother and John the, uh, John the Apostle. He speaks to them, behold thy mother, behold thy son. Uh, he speaks uh, uh, to, uh, again, another prayer, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Uh, on and on. But when he says the words, it is finished. He said, I thirst, this is for the guards to give them and fulfill the prophecy of the reed. But who did he say it's finished? I think he said it to the devil. That's the two, you can, you can work that out in your own theology. But this war is on. So do you have a war mindset? In World War II, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor and America was forced into the Second World War, America had to get on a war footing. We had been way behind for years. We had had a great... First World War Army, we're still using horses, we're still using, you know, uh, we still had wooden ships in some of the places of the world. We, you know, we were not there. And the military-industrial complex began to get in full gear, and by 1943, uh, it, was, it was on, and we were turning the battle and seeing the tide and producing planes and, and tanks and all of these kind of things in record numbers and amazing to 
turn it and to begin to see that happening. If you ever come across a 1943 penny, you'll see that it's different. 1943 penny is actually made out of nickel or basically aluminum. The reason they did that is they needed the copper for the war effort. In England, they rationed the food, and Winston Churchill asked his, he, uh, he asked his cooks, he said, okay, I, you know, let me see how the food rations are working out. Would you prepare for me, uh, you know, food rations for that? And, uh, and so they did, and so they gave him a meal, and, they, and he said, oh, that's not too bad. They said, uh, Prime Minister, that's one week's worth of food. He said, oh, my poor people. Understanding the war mentality. Are you understanding this is a struggle? There's a real enemy of your soul, spiritual warfare, you know, putting on the whole armor of God, all of that. You know, creation sometimes fights more than people for redemption. Listen to this, Romans 8. Yet a while, yet. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us later. For all of creation waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation is subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in the glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know all the creation has been groaning with birth pains right up until the present time. And we believe, uh, we as believers also groan that we might have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too eagerly wait for the hope of the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies which he has promised. I can't wait for the new body, I can tell you that. I'm going to have working knees and everything. Creation struggling, looking forward to that day. Because they understand it's a struggle. It's, it's a fight. Living in Lithuania was very interesting. As the Soviet Union had come and Russia had been in, in Lithuania numbers of times, under the Tsar in different times as that, but 1940. Russia, Russia and uh, Stalin and Hitler signed the Pact of Steel, basically ceding Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia over to the Russians. And then in 1941, or 19, uh, 1939, he does that. 1940, the Germans come in and invade and take them back. The end of the war, Russia stayed, and grafted Lithuania well as 13 other republics into what they became known as the Soviet Union. It wasn't all Russian. There began to be partisan fighters. 
These were incredible people. There's a whole museum that I would take people to when we were there. They call it the Genocide Museum, which is kind of ironic because only about a thousand people died in this building where they take you and call it the Genocide, and then they ignore where the Holocaust actually started with 50,000 Jews killed just up the road, but that's a whole other story. But the partisans fought in some of the places like Latvia, it lasted nine months. Latvia just settled in and said, we're under... Lithuania's partisan fighters lasted 11 years. They would not resign themselves to being under the Soviet control. When 1991 happened, or 1989, the fall of the Berlin Wall, Russia begins to shake. There's a whole bunch of things, an attempted coup to get uh, Gorbachev out and some different other political things were happening in Russia and the Soviet Union. Lithuania began to have protests. Little nation, less than three million people. They called it the singing rebellion. They would go on the streets and they would sing. The Russian soldiers didn't know what to do. The old ladies would come up and put flowers in their gun barrels. There were bullet holes in buildings. We would drive around the city. They would point them out to us where the Russian soldiers had been ordered to fire upon the civilians. But they couldn't do it. So they fired over their heads. And you can see the buildings. To this day, still some of them have their bullet holes in them. called the Singing Rebellion. They said, we are not going to bow. And they were the first republic to break away. I, they are thrilled with Iceland. Iceland was the first country to recognize them. You could tell what country recognized people uh, in Lithuania in what order because all the diplomatic license plates for that country's embassy started with the number in of where they, like America was 14, because America was the 14th country to recognize them. Iceland's embassy plates, which I think there were two, started with 01. They were recognized for the struggle. They would not yield. And that's why I was impressed with Lithuania, for that reason. They were the longest to hold out in the partisan fight, and they were the first to break away. Said, no, we don't want this we don't want this tyranny. Are you tired of the devil and being in allegiance with him? You can break away. Have you lost the fact that we're on a war footing? That's what the church is. That's what prayer is. That's what outreach is. That's what preaching is. That's what we do. It is a war. We're fighting for the kingdom of God, establishing, rescuing souls. You're caught up in your comfort and your attitudes and your will and your I will and I will. Can you see what we're about? What the purpose? Jesus said, the time's come. We're even closer to that day now 
than when Jesus preached it. The establishing of the kingdom. Repenting, believing, and letting the fight be on. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. You're here first and foremost this evening. Maybe you're not right with God. Let me tell you that there is a rebellion going on. A great rebellion, a clash of kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness. Now, men try their best. Politicians will promise and try their best, uh, you know, often. But it's society is what I'm talking about, the social. What has become accepted? What has become the norm? What has become people's ability to say, oh, this is all right and that is all right? When those actions will keep you very far away from the kingdom of God. We're so consumed by all of that insanity that often we miss that God never intended it to be this way and that we're in the league with the ones who are keeping it this way. Making the decision to say, you know what, I'm not going to live that way. I'm not saying we renounce our American citizenship. I'm not, that's not the point of this. It's we repent from our sins. We believe the good news. We realize the conflict for our soul. And if you're here this, morning, this evening, you're not right with the Lord Jesus, you want to pray, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand very quickly and say, would you pray for me? I'm not right with God. I'm, I'm on the wrong side right now. I realize that I'm not in league with God. I must be willfully or, you know, knowingly or unknowingly. I'm in rebellion, in agreement with Lucifer. And I want to get my heart right with God. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's you. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. I need to get my heart right. Maybe you're backslidden. Treason is a high crime. In most countries of the world, it's punishable by death. That you would sell out your country. The Rosenbergs, fascinating, selling nuclear secrets to the, giving nuclear secrets basically to the Russians. We've had numbers of traitors throughout, you know. Selling, giving away secrets. Men and women who have marked history. And yet that's what backsliding is. It's going from allegiance to God to allegiance to the devil. Allegiance to God's kingdom to allegiance to the kingdom of darkness. Putting yourself back in that. You need to come back, backslider. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. Don't wait. Let God help you. 
changing the call then to Christians, to us, it needs to be a war footing. Because that's what it is. That's what giving and praying and outreaching is all focused around. Establishing the kingdom of God. Fighting for that moment. Being in rebellion to the rebellion that took over the planet. It's a real struggle. Let's fight it like we should. Let's all stand. These altars are open. We're going to sing that song, Well Done, and worship His name. I will Thank him tonight. Father, we love you. God, we praise you. God, we worship you.